Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two and a half day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers, which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com backslash store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits into our lives. Well, how's it going out there? Is it cross? <laughs> it, it, it is cross. I, I still am not, I'm not really crossing very much. I'm still doing a, a lot of uh, ultra cross. I, I, you know, I do our local, I do our local cross. It's Thursday night. It's a mile from my house. It's super fun. Um, and then on the weekends, I'm just doing the long stuff because I can't stay away from it. It's just, that's just, it's just how it is. It's, it's, I, that's what's drawing me this year. And I just go with what, uh, what draws me into it. So there yeah. you have it. Very yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's starting to feel like fall here, so I'm pretty jazzed. You can smell the must from the wineries as you ride around. Wow. Uh, there's another uh, cash crop that is also uh, flowering right now, and so that has a very distinct <laughs> aroma. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I, Sonoma County this time of year, it, this is this is as good as Sonoma County gets. Uh, huh. the, you know, the 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 harvest is on and you know even just like passing one of the trucks uh carrying the bins of grapes even that has a pretty incredible smell to it so i just love this time of year we're not in fall yet for sure it's definitely um like it's 80 something here uh we (laughs) it is it will not stop raining um we we've had such a wet wet spell uh it's it's sunny today but we're supposed to get more storms and then Fingers crossed. I think once we cross the threshold in in October, it looks like fall will emerge. I mean, we have some pumpkins, there's signs, I've seen some leaves, but waiting for those crisp, clear, blue popping colors, it'll come. October. That's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm <laughs> well, hanging on to. If you can spare it. some of the rain for us, uh, that would I know, be helpful. I know, crazy, right? But mm, if we could only do that, some, somebody's got to figure yeah. that out. Yeah, we're we're coming up on a scary time of year for us, but I'm I'm just staying hopeful about you know it's fall. It will be a pleasant fall. It won't be like last year. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll stick with that for you. Uh, all righty. Well, what do you got for us this week? What do I have? I have Everstein on the brain. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept, right? Do you know what Everstein is? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, well, well, for those who don't, and, and I'm not going to assume everybody does, um, it's pretty simple and it's simply crazy. 
you you pick a, a hill and or a mountain and you ride up and down. It has to be the same hill, like a repeat, continuously until you climb the height of Mount Everest, which is just over 29,000 feet. Uh, it has to be one shot, not over a couple of days. You know, there's no sleep. There's a whole website with the rules, it, it, which is actually... Which is actually kind of a fun, I don't know if you've ever been on that website, but it's kind of a fun rabbit hole to go down. I because can imagine. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it really is, because it uses Strava segments, so you can find all your favorite local climbs and just mm-hmm. plug them in, and it tells you the stats of that particular, like if you were to try to find an Everest, on or to perform an Everest on that climb, what you would have to do. So I went through like a bunch of mine, and I picked uh, bake oven road climb which is um it's it's not terribly long it's 4.5 miles long and averages 6.5 percent uh which is key because i've talked to people who've done it and you don't want it so ne- shallow that you have to do it like seven thousand times but you also uh-huh. don't want it so steep that you physically wouldn't be able to do it right like so i there's was a just sweet, wondering about that yeah there's a sweet spot that seems to be around six percent um, you know, between five and seven percent seems to be the sweet spot. Um, I would need to do this particular climb 35 times, which would be 168 miles total. And it's also partially unpaved and you get little bragging rights if there's uh, if it's there's a dirt element to your climb, uh, which actually scares me more on the downside because it's quite a rough descent. So mm. when I think about it, I'm like. Mm, that might actually start to suck after a while. But anyway, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, have you ever done one? No, 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 no. <laughs> have you not no. ever been tempted by this? Okay. Well, here, let me, let, me, uh, let me put this in perspective for you. Before Eversting was a thing, mm-hmm. here in California for a few years, there was an, an event called the Everest Challenge. Oh, It was okay. two days... Mm-hmm. And you climbed about 15,000 feet per day. It was okay. three big climbs each day. Um, and right. there was one year where everything was lining up perfectly. And I was looking at like, you know, potential podium in my category. And then wow. a week out, I got sick. Oh, womp womp. That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. Um, I managed. Uh, let's see. Well, so no, you still I, did it. I went. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was a DNF. Um, I did the first two climbs on the first day and was just too wiped out uh, to finish the last climb, which was the longest of the bunch. And then the second day, I felt awesome. Uh, but my girlfriend at the time, who was actually leading the women's category four, uh, got fed up three quarters of the way up the first climb on the second day and we turned around and went back to the car. Wow. It was that That's daunting. really anticlimactic. Oh my gosh. And yeah, that second day, man, I I felt so good, but I was like, I'm just going to sit and ride with you. I've already blown my chance to right, do right. well at this thing. But the legs that did not show up on Saturday were there in force on Sunday. It was nutty how good I felt. Um and so I just thought, okay, I'm just going to help you through the whole day. And she's like, I can't do this. This is stupid. Uh, <laughs> and we turn around and went back to the car. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the thing was, you know, as as big and and daunting as those two days were, I 
cannot, for the life of me, imagine smashing those two days into yeah. one day. I, uh, it's, it's one of those things, Patrick, that I fear in my mind's eye is not as horrible as that it's actually going to be. And I know it's going to be horrible. Like, this one of those things that, like, I can't wrap my head around until I'm going to be in there going, what was I thinking? But it, it is definitely something, <laughs> I, I'm notorious for that, that, that I have... It's been on my radar. I wanted to do it. And I actually planned on doing one this spring as part of sort of a promotional event for my book, Climb, that came out in May. That Um, fits? Yeah, right? We were going to do a whole thing. And it would be like they could show me suffering and I could give little tips. We we might still do it. But, you know, I really I don't I don't want to do this alone. I, I yeah, I, right. Because, I, oh, my God, being in my head, I don't like to be in my head for 15 minutes sometimes, let alone 15 hours going up and down the same climb. It, it sounds like a bad idea. Um, but the guy that I was going to do it with is my training buddy I was talking about last week who got hurt. Uh-huh. So right. he that it just knocked the wind out of my sails. Like, I, yeah, he got hurt. And then I was like, I'm not doing this thing by myself. And then the time, like the time sort of passed and we did something else for the book and the book is doing well, which is awesome. So I'm like, well, maybe I don't have to, but I still want to do it. So, um, I, so I, can I, can I just ask you to do one little thing for me? I'd like to, I'd like you to repeat one piece of information <laughs> that you told me earlier. Okay. If you, okay, you would have to do that one climb. What was it? 35 times? Yeah. 35. Okay. And how much total mileage would that result in 168 miles and the longest single day you've had that was not dirty cancer was uh was coast to coast which was 213 i've done 150 training for that by myself that was that's the longest ride i've ever done by myself was that 150 mile training day i just can't even imagine Wow. The, the demons <laughs> that must dwell deep inside. No, you can't. Well, maybe you can. We all have our own ways of dealing with them. Anyway. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 we don't need to go there right now. Anyway, I, I, it, it was sort of, it went to the way back burners of my mind until, until uh, August when I came across this story about a man who Everested on Everest. So it was the, which is, Levels of insanity I can't even begin to comprehend because they had just paved the base camp road to Everest. And the road, we'll put a picture up on the site. It looks amazing. Um, <laughs> so he, they, they went out and um, they, they went out in August and they rode up. It was <laughs> the man's name is J.J. Zhou. They rode 177 laps of a 1K, 1K. 5% climb to the Everest base camp in Tibet, which sits at 16,000 feet. Like, the, like it's stunning amounts of elevation. So the whole story is actually pretty remarkable. The, uh, the guy's friend, they're all, they all reside in China. Um, the guy's friend is originally from Australia, and he, he runs an outfitting company called Cirque there. Uh, his name's Shannon Bufton, who I actually uh, interviewed for this podcast, which I'll get to in a second. But anyway, he planned the trip, and he had actually tried previously with another crew, including Andy Van Bergen, I think his name is, the guy who coined the term Everstein, like the guy that, oh. that, that dreamed this whole thing up. They, they all went um, to this newly paved road, 
that they ran into all the problems you could run into. Uh, freezing weather, gale force winds coming down off of Everest. Like, I, there's a name for them, I can't remember, but it's a thing. Like sometimes the winds coming off, there's always winds, but sometimes they're horrific. Um, altitude sickness, they, no, nobody made it. They all pulled the plug. Um, so then Shannon went back with another crew this, um, this August, including JJ, and again, I, everyone, I think there were four of them. Every one of them pulled a pin but JJ, and then the rest of them just supported him. And right before midnight, um, on I think it was August 8th, he, he made it. Like, he rode, he sprinted, actually, which was the first time he sprinted. They put up a little makeshift finish line for him, and he got out of the saddle and sprinted to this finish line and just collapsed. <laughs> and like, and, and the, the images are amazing. Like, he's just... The, the mountain is before him and he's and it was interesting because it looks like he's uh, in prayer to it and when I I spoke to them afterwards and you thought or I thought that they would be like woo we did it we got everything blah 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 but they were just so reverent they were so humble and humbled and they talked about the mountain like, you know, when you read the climbers who talk about Everest, like they talk about right. it like this other thing, this other entity. Um, and, I, you know, I have a short clip of the longer uh, the longer interview that will run on the tandem. And you can hear just Shannon waxing poetic about just this, just the road itself. That they're, they're just like in, in awe of the road, which I get. Like, I look at that picture of the road, I'm a little obsessed. And then just how just how magical it is. So, you know can listen to the clip for ourselves and um and you'll get a sense of just just how um how taken they are with the experience i have to say that i have been obsessed with that tibetan plateau road um i've been obsessed with all of it since our conversation <laughs> so it's just that it's so captivating that road looks so amazing yeah it um it, it has that effect on people I I remember the first time that I saw it, um, it was by chance in uh, 2015. Um, we, we've been running trips since 2014 to Tibet, and um, the second year we went there, our driver said, oh, I'm going to take you a different way to Everest Base Camp this year. And we were like, what different way? There's only one road in there. And then um, he turned... Uh, he turned left onto this road and uh, it was newly paved and it was an engineering marvel and it was just, it just blew my mind. And um, as a cyclist, I was sitting sitting in the bus going uh, around the switchbacks yeah. up to the top and then down the switchbacks to the other side, something like 120 switchbacks on that road. And it was unbelievable. And I was just, it is unbelievable, yeah. It's um, and and it's also, you know, it, it's a road that goes into this iconic location, Everest Base Camp, and mm-hmm. um, it's got to be, I think it's got to be up there amongst the best uh, roads for a cyclist to to ride anywhere in the world, with the iconic Everest at the end, and and then just the 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 scenery of the Himalayas in the background, and then and then that road with all its switchbacks. It's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, in- enticing road. Once you've got it in your head, it's hard to get it out. <laughs> I, I believe me. I mean, I can't even imagine your experience of it because, seriously, I, 
I'm not being hyperbolic, though I'm prone to hyperbole. I, I, those images, I cannot get them out of my head. Every time I, I see an image of those, that road, I'm just like, look at that road. I'm just, I'm, I'm captivated by it. It's, it's, uh, yeah, there's something about it, right? There's just something magical about it, for lack of a better word. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and then when you combine that also with the high altitude, yeah. um, which, uh, uh, we could sort of call it a sort of, you, you get to a state of Nirvana, which I think is really just complete exhaustion and a little bit delirious, <laughs> um, from the high altitude. Um, but when you ride up there, uh, up those passes, they're, um, 25, 30 kilometers long, um, usually around about a thousand meters of elevation. Um, so by the time you get to the top, you're in, um, you're in a pretty interesting state and, um, the scenery, high altitude and, and the climb, the kind of rhythm of the climb itself puts you into this, um, transformative sort of state, which, um, even adds more to the, uh, to the experience than you're just riding your average, uh, climb at home. Yeah. So it sounds amazing, right? Like it just yes. really, it just really renewed my interest in it all. Um, and now Patrick, I have to confess that I'm kind of obsessed about riding in Tibet. Like <laughs> it, it, it looks otherworldly. And I feel like I could use this vision quest and, you know, maybe that's the appeal of Everstein in general. You're just spending all this time digging deep and seeing what you find and being humbled by this big blue marble that we live on. And, you know, we're really how small you are, but how powerful you are. And yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a lot of elevation. So I, it would just, yeah. I mean, I know that probably rules it out for you, but I'm, <laughs> that, that's what's on my brain right now. That's, I just don't see how uh, I would cover the distance necessary to get all that elevation. You know, I, I mean, I can see how there is this calculus of if it's too flat, you've got right. an incredible number of miles to cover. But if you do it on a 12 percent climb, you there's going to come it. a point of just muscle yeah. failure. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I could see how five, six, seven percent somewhere in there. Has and to be also, something you can spin. Right. And mm -hmm. it's got to be fairly consistent uh, ingredient because if you get some kicks from like five to eight percent, uh, those will help wear you out. So yep. you got to be pretty careful in your road selection. All of that I find pretty fascinating, but then like lining up at the base of something, thinking, okay, uh, forty-one times, um, <laughs> and you know, yeah, or one hundred seventy-seven times. I mean, that's how many times they went up. And I, it's so interesting because. When I talked to both of them, Shannon and JJ afterwards, and I asked the obvious question, which you just sort of alluded to, like, oh, my God, like how many times like that's they both were vaguely insulted that I would even insinuate it could be boring. Like, <laughs> good thing I it, didn't interview them. <laughs> and again, it was it was the mountain. I mean, they were just like. Never. It was never boring. Was it difficult? Yes. You know, I mean, all those things, but they, they didn't, 
they really seem to not think that way. Like I would, I can't imagine being like, oh my God, I've done five. I have how many left? You know, like, but, <laughs> yeah. but they, and I like 35 doesn't sound like a lot to me until like I'm 10 in. Right. And then I'm going, I have 25 times to go up and down. I, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I, out of respect for them and what they accomplished, I need to grant that, you know, it's very possible that if you're in this brand new uh, environment to you, you know, someplace you've never been before, and you're in the presence of the largest mountain on this planet, that maybe every time you look up at it, all 175 of those, uh, 77, you might very well go, holy cow. They um, said that. They literally said that. They And I asked... What did I ask him? I asked JJ, you know, something along those lines. And he said, they use the word nirvana a lot. He's like, I feel like, you know, I I was actualized. I feel like, you know, he's like, every time, every time I turn the hairpin, Everest presented herself to me. Right? And I was just like, okay. You know, I mean, it sounds so woo-woo. And they're not woo-woo people. Like, JJ he was a hardcore racer. And he was like... I was such a type A person and they I don't know if it's it's transient but he sounds 100% transformed. It's it was fascinating. I was Well, that's really cool. I look yeah. forward to getting to hear the whole interview soon. Yeah, so. Yeah. So anyway, uh that's on my mind and I know uh maybe maybe a little less Nirvana, but you went to Reno and that's pro- that's probably uh <laughs> You, you, did, you did your own pilgrimage to uh, it's, it's not to the Reno opposite bike. of Nirvana. Um, <laughs> no, the opposite of Nirvana would be Las Vegas. There um, mm, and and Reno is Las Vegas, not light, but Las Vegas on a budget. <laughs> you know, it's oof. Yeah, good lord, I'm glad to be back in Santa Rosa. Returning home, I felt like a kid coming back from summer camp. You know, it was great to see all my friends while I was there. And there was always some fun, you know, to traveling. There always is some fun to traveling. But I missed my routines. I missed my family. You know, I also missed missed uh, having days that are only 16 hours long instead of 19 mm. hours long. Uh but, you know, it was a great reunion with a lot of really wonderful people. I love the bike industry. And I love the show so much that you could stick it in an unmowed hayfield. And I think I'd still show up. I'm, I'm that crazy about the people. Uh, and I'm still a nerd for all the tech and a person who nearly always welcomes travel. So, yeah, I'm easy to get to the show. But there's always the but, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that said, here's the part that I don't want to say. This one really was a miss. Getting it to seemed Reno that way. Oof. Uh, it, it, that's a shame. If if from afar, from three time zones away, if it seemed like that, that's not good. Uh, but yeah, getting to Reno or worse, North Star was an ordeal for everyone not from the Bay Area. Hmm. It's funny. I can actually think of a couple of companies based in California's San Joaquin Valley for whom the drive the drive would have been easier, but they didn't go to the show this year. <laughs> <laughs> a colleague from Vermont told me it took him 18 hours oh to get to the show. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. That's insane. He can get to Eurobike faster than he can get to Interbike now. He can get to Australia faster. 
Mm. That's a long time. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, there was a Minnesota dealer who took four different flights to get to the show. Now, uh, on the plus side, the hotels were cheaper than in Vegas. Um, And it was nice having free parking again. (laughs) But man, whatever Reno is, it's not as good at being Las Vegas as Las Vegas is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, You know... I mean, that said, I heard some really interesting stories like, you know, if you need to bump into a pregnant roller skater smoking crack as she plays guitar, this might be your town. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Moving right along. Um, (laughs) The really sad part. I mean, you know, you go to a weird town and a trade show, it's always going to be a little strange. But Mm -hmm. what's really disappointing here is that, you know, two weeks ago on this show, I predicted that Outdoor Demo would, in, say, three to five years, uh, Mm -hmm. eclipse the show itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was based on my completely erroneous assumption that the event would be held in the village at North Star. Um, You know, like among the shops and restaurants and whatnot, right there. I went to an event last August uh, held by a distributor that was up Mm -hmm. there in the village and it was Mm -hmm. awesome. You know, now consider that was in August. This is late September. You're past Labor Day. It's not ski weather yet. They've got to be dying to have anybody visit the place at all, right? Yeah. So you would think that Interbike can afford to rent out the space necessary to put the event on in the choice location. Uh. And this is where we have to summon Steve Martin from 30 years ago. But no, (sighs) you know, outdoor demo was in a parking lot behind a hotel with no running water and no electricity. You were kidding. I I kid you not. I kid you not. Goo Energy and Noon had to schlep water in from other locations to keep us hydrated. Oh, my God. And it's an elevation. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, roger that. Uh, Yuri Hoswald was taking one-gallon jugs and running up to the bathroom to fi- fill them up. Good thing you he's know? strong and fit, that man. Yeah, yeah. But even he was like, okay, that was my last one. we got to figure something else out. Uh, only Marin and Pivot seemed to bring enough demo bikes. Uh, I couldn't go for demo rides, unlike my previous habit, where I would always write a short review of all the different bikes that I'd written. Uh, because people were in line for, for 20 minutes. Ride? I didn't go for demo rides. I, I didn't have, I couldn't stand in line for 20 minutes to wait for a bike. Wow. That's how long the lines were. Nobody brought enough bikes. You know, it, what? I think it was about 2013, Santa Cruz bought eight, brought 80 bikes. Yeah. You know, when you have a bunch of companies like Santa Cruz not showing up, uh, you know, and you still have all these people showing up. You know, I don't I don't know. There just weren't enough bikes around. So even the companies that were there were bringing fewer bikes than they used to for the most part. You know, then you add on top of that another 10 minutes for getting the bike set up. Oh, yeah. A few more to drag the bike up two flights of stairs to the gondola. (laughs) You you could do a little looping thing around and ride your bike up. But yeah, it was a lot more direct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and then by the time people were at the top of, you know, the gondola, you know, they get off and, and they're going, screw it. I'm taking two runs. So. Right. Right. So they have the by bike the time longer. They, yeah. By the time people were actually on the bike and rolling, they'd been waiting almost an hour. Wow. 
you know, it was. Uh, you can get Space some, Mountain in less time than that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a small world. <laughs> so I can only imagine, you know, what it must have been like on Saturday when it was only consumers, and the, wow. I heard from a friend that the place was just crawling with cyclists. So. You know, oh. as if it could get any worse, Sunday afternoon, the folks of WTB went to serve beer because, you know, bicycles yep. in a weekend afternoon, right? Yeah. Outdoor what the demo. hell else are you supposed to do? You serve beer, right? Uh, yeah. You want to guess what happened? No, you they, probably it's don't. It's not that they didn't run out of beer? Nope. Nope. Didn't have a chance to run out of beer. North Star Management called the cops. <laughs> called the cops. <laughs> And the cops showed up. Oh. Interbike's response? Well, the contract said no alcohol. <gasps> That's like telling Are the winner of the race me? not to throw a victory salute. That's what you do. Yeah. 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 I don't even... I, I the, the Interbike, no alcohol. Those, those, I can't. Those sentences don't even go to... I don't even know what to say. Yeah. And you know... Oh, I, my God. Go I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta say, I you know, ooh, ah, this this hurts. I it pains me to report this stuff, you know. And I I saw show director Justin Gottlieb uh, a few hours before the show He's closed a on good Thursday. Guy. I thought, yeah. I know. And I I was honest with him. Justin is in a really tough position, you know. He inherited every bit of this show in a battlefield promotion. I believe him to be a decent and conscientious guy. And I know he has the industry's yep. best interests at heart. Uh, he does, I shared for sure. all of my I'll opinions with uh, about this uh, up to and including the beer with him. And I feel like it would be unfair for me to say something here that I mm -hmm, wouldn't say to mm -hmm. him. For sure. Um, so I'm, 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 I feel like my integrity is intact because yeah, everything I've said here, I did say to him. Uh, and, you know, he was like, well, it was in the contract. I was like, come on, dude, you're oh, not new man, here. Oh, man, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. And I get that North Star has a contract with all their providers, you know, the, the people running the restaurants, that right, only right. they provide alcohol. But, but still. There's, you know, you get a couple lawyers in a room, and you can pretty much figure out a way to get what you want if everybody's on the same page. Uh, so I just, I was floored by that. And... The thing that I keep saying to people is I feel like the show managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, it's just it's 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 bad. I wow. people are just looking for reasons not to go to the show anymore to to report that grandma is finally dead. And it's like, mm, I don't I don't want to give up, but I don't well, know what to suggest. I, I have to just insert because well, <laughs> it. At some point, Dickie said, I don't know, uh, Vish Dillon put up a post. He's like, has all of Interbike been embargoed and we don't know it? Because nothing was coming out of there. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I said. Like, you usually see all this stuff. I wrote this. I did this. I mean, I saw like a, a couple of your posts, but like there was there was no steady stream of stuff of people posting stuff from that that venue. Like there just wasn't. Yeah. And I thought you mentioned that there was actually an embargo at Interbike, which blows my mind. Even there more was, so than, than the one. beer, maybe. Okay. 
There was one. Yeah, I I was left scratching my head once again. I think I've got all these scabs on my scalp now from the number of times I scratched my head. I went to a product presentation and they still haven't told me when the embargo is lifted. How will uh, you embargo something in Interbike? I mean, that's I, the point I, of I don't even I don't even understand. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe grandma is getting Alzheimer's. I like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Right. You're using your illusion. Yeah. Your, your, your metaphor. Right. That was your metaphor. Right, right. I, <laughs> yeah, no, she's had a great run. You know, we all love her. She's a little ornery. She doesn't take her meds, you know, but we don't want her in hospice just yet. So what do we do? And that's the problem. It's like, you know, part of the premise of this show is, you know, we set something up and then we ask each other questions Celine, I don't have a question for you because I don't know what the question is. The, the situation is so insane. We need a show. We need an occasion that gets the industry together mm-hmm. so that we mm-hmm. can swap stories and, you know, celebrate each other. And, you know, honest to goodness, it's nice to see the new stuff. Um, but this was an unusual show in that the thing and maybe this is just a change in me more than the show, but I really don't think that's the case. But the single most exciting thing I saw at the show was a product from Floyd's of Leadville that is a CBD cream. It's a transdermal cream, and it comes in this little tube that will fit in a jersey pocket. And I looked at that, and I thought, there are thousands and thousands of cyclists out there who would benefit from this. They would wow. they would get through rides more easily with less pain. And... That was literally the best thing I saw at the show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. To, it's hard to know what to say. I mean, I, 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 I was, I was, I wasn't like incredibly optimistic, but I was somewhat hopeful when we talked last time about the whole prediction of it being more of a, just a giant outdoor demo. And I still feel like that is, and we brought up Sea Otter, like Sea Otter continues to be relevant and successful (laughs) and, right? So I I feel like, um, I still, and I said it before and I'm going to say it again. I stick by, Reno was the dumbest decision ever. I just don't understand. If you're going to do Vegas, just freaking do Vegas. Like, that's just, and if you're not going to do Vegas, do something that makes sense. And this makes no sense on any level to me. Your stories about people, like, the mission it was to get there. That's insane. Four planes and a, an elephant ride and God knows what. And then you end up in, like, <laughs> this the, the circus that isn't even the circus. It's like, it's just, what a, I, I. I like the organizers a lot too, and I and I would say the same thing to their face because I'm I'm pretty straight shooter. I just I, we we can actually do better, and and if this wants to be con- continue to be any kind of relevant or fun, I mean we need to do better. Yeah, well, and and the scary part here is. You know, even if Justin goes, you know, they're right. We need to make a change. <laughs> um, well. Uh, They've got a contract for multiple years at with the, Reno? You know, at that and I believe North Star as well, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what you do. Um a long run in Reno could just kill the show outright. I would agree it, with that. Especially if you know, especially if it's so hard to get to. I mean it's just not worth it. It becomes not worth it. At least yeah. Vegas was easy for most people, right? You hop on a plane and Yeah. I mean you yeah. can get a cheap flight to Vegas from Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. It, it's you know, it's not hard. I mean, you know, yeah, anywhere in the country, it, it's just about a maximum of two flights yeah. anywhere in the country. 
So that's no. a, that's an issue. I yeah, it's just a huge problem, and I'm left scratching my head. I I don't know what they're gonna do about this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're uh, not gonna solve it here, but nope, nope. Yep. Uh, I you know I, I feel for him, and you know one of the crazy things you you brought up sea otter. Someone mentioned to me I haven't had the time to go and verify this myself because mm-hmm. counting. I'm told that there were 500 exhibitors at Sea Otter this year. There were only 300 at Interbike. Wow. And that's so low for Interbike. I mean, that's a, that's a fraction yeah. of... Yeah. There were two people I, I meant to see there, and I messed up and didn't see them. But I literally saw everyone else that I was supposed to see this year. I couldn't tell you the last time I walked oh, out yeah. of the show... At, at closing, going, oh, I never saw, oh, and I never saw, oh, and I was supposed to drop back by, uh, oh, oh, uh, oh. I didn't have that this year. And you there went were, to both, right? You went to the indoor, too. Yes, yes. So there were two screw-ups. I was supposed to get back by a booth, but I had been there once before, so I'd at least seen them. And I, I honestly never found the SRAM booth. I never found it. Um, so <laughs> I believe that. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to... I. It's so easy at those things. People don't understand, but they're so circuitous and, and it's it convoluted that it's, it can be hard to find a giant booth even among yeah. the... Yeah, I get it. Well, and, and I'm told theirs wasn't so big this year. So uh, there's that well, too. And then there's yeah, that. It, yeah, it wasn't the uh, the houseboat that it used right, to be. Right, Oh, yeah. So I, I hope they figure something out. I think that... For consumers who, you know, are already in California or somewhere nearby and are interested uh, in checking out the demo next year, I think it's worth going to. You know, if mm-hmm. you would not otherwise be at Interbike, dropping by the outdoor demo, I think for someone who doesn't normally see that stuff, right. it would be a lot of fun. And I know the riding at North Star is good fun. So mm-hmm. that is worth a uh, drive up. In its own right. Right, right. Um, and it's but, very pretty. I mean, it's very pretty there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is California at its best. Yeah. Um, so that is worth a, a trip in its own right. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, how about something more positive? All right. Uh, let's do some picks. I, I'm going okay. to, I hate to, uh, I hate to do two Similar products in a row, but I'm going to go with another drink mix because I've just been trying. There's this new generation of, um, you know, really dense drink mixes that are just knocking it out of the park. And this week I have Morton. Yeah, Morton is very new. Uh, Not sure many people even are aware of it yet. The the really interesting thing with Morton is it's not you. They do have a high calorie bottle that's like 80 grams of carbs, 320 calories. It's for two and a half hours above kind of days. Your dirty Kansas, your Ludvilles, your things where you're going to be out there and you need to get all the, the carbs that you can into your system and it's just hard to eat, right? Like, so they, they, they have that product. But they also just have a straight up hydration product, which is still a little higher on the carbs than some of the lower you know brands that are popular right now. It's got 160 calories, 40 grams of carbs, but it's still very much it's a hydration product their hydration product. What what is interesting about this is it's completely formulated for gut 
ease to be, you know, like anyone who has ever tried to take in carbohydrates during hard efforts or competition when the gut is already compromised knows that sometimes what you put in doesn't exactly stay put. And you find yourself, yeah, yeah, tossing your cookies, hightailing it to a porta john, running, you know, like. And Morton is a high tech drink mix that uses this patent pending technology to get the carbs, and it's you know mixed carbs like all these things are, out of your stomach and through the intestines without any disruption. So they they it's called hydrogel technology, and when you mix, it's a maltodextrin and fructose drink mix. And you mix mm-hmm. it with water, and it's somehow formulated, and I don't know the space science or how it works, uh, but you drink it, and when that mix hits your stomach, the acidity in your stomach immediately turns it to a little gel-like ball. So it ends up like all these mercury balls, if you will. Not mercury, uh-huh. though, of course. I mean, it's, it's the carbohydrates. Yeah. And not those, deadly, but... No, no not deadly. <laughs> and those go right out of your stomach and into your intestines and they are quickly absorbed and you know it sounds like voodoo but i was shocked i used this thing we i had keystone gravel which is you know really long hard event and a, a friend of mine gave it to me there and then i just did a, a really uh, like a hard training ride this weekend where again i'm like okay i'm just going to try to subsist on this stuff for a while and i don't i don't typically do well with that like that stuff any kind of heavy mix has traditionally turned into a matov cocktail in my gut i i just don't do well and this is incredibly light sweet but not cloying very pleasant sweet tasting and it goes down it goes down easy and it does seem to really just disappear from your gut i mean whatever that patent pending hydrogel little ball technology they're using it's and it's one of those sensations where you're like oh i'm four hours in i should be hungry but i'm not really hungry you know it's Mm. like a really weird feeling you have energy and i still like uh you know i still drank some water and i still ate little bits of food but it was amazing how well it it sustained me. I'm, I'm so intrigued by all these new, um, you know, beta fuel is the one I talked about before, which is isotonic mm-hmm. and, and uses its own sort of magic to get out, you know, through your system without upsetting your gut. But this, this one's real, real interesting to me. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a regular in my, in my arsenal. It is a little expensive. It's $48 for the high drink mix for 14 packets. So that ends up being about $350 a packet. Um, mm. Yeah, it's high. And the other one is uh, the 160 drink is $42 for 18 servings. So more, you know, closer to $250 maybe. So that's, that's pricey, but I would totally pay that for an event because I have had very expensive events wrecked by a bad gut. You pay Mm -hmm. a lot of money to get into Leadville or, you know, or to travel, get on a plane, fly your bike. We're talking easily a thousand dollars all said and done. And if you're like puking off the side of the road or worse because your gut has gone south, that, you know, that's worth that's worth 50 bucks to to make sure that doesn't happen. So, yeah, that's my that's my pick. Maybe not the stuff for group rides, but the big day. Exactly. Totally. I mean, I think it's worth you should always test. This is me, you know, giving my coaching (laughs) advice. Always (laughs) test before you go. Results may vary. But um, but if you find that it works for you, like that's a no brainer to me, like just to have something that you can get calories in and your stomach is fine for long, long, long days. That's 
if that's the stuff you do, totally worth it. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Morton, is this like the salt? No, it's spelled differently. It's uh, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. So it's the guy's name. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah. And the vid, they have little cute videos on their site. Uh, we'll put up the link and you can see, like, they explain their technology and, like, cute little graphics. So. Oh, I'm going to have to check this out. Uh, yeah. you, you've, you've made, maybe not a believer, but you've made me curious. I know you're skeptic. I know you are. And I, I'm just saying, I, I am in your boat of low-carb drinks and food in the pocket. But I also have learned that when you're, and I do, if you're ever going to do Kansas and you talk about it, you might want to put this in your little mental pocket for, for, mm. those, for those days when you yep. don't want to eat another freaking anything and you've got six more hours to go. Just, just a thought. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Deep in the darkness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got to say, you know, coming from anyone else, I would still be 98% skeptical. <laughs> coming from you, I'm probably only 40% skeptical now. Ah, I'll, I'll take those compliments. Yeah, well, totally is. (laughs) What do you have? Well, so back to the show, but on a more positive note, I did see, you know, I don't want to give people the impression that I didn't like it. I saw lots of cool stuff. (laughs) Funnily enough, one of the items I encountered was handed to me by someone who wasn't even displaying at the show. This happens because uh, the Did show is expensive. Did they just have like a briefcase like the good old days? Remember those people that used it to was, walk around It was more like show? a trench coat. You know, he okay. whips up the <laughs> trench coat, you know, hey, buddy. I know, uh, I love you that. You want a GPS mount? Um, so, yeah, it's a fresh take on a GPS mount. It's called Hide My Bell, which is an entirely appropriate name given what it does. It has this insert that you can turn one way for Garmin units and then turn it 90 degrees or so. So it accepts Wahoo units Um, beneath the GPS unit is a small bell integrated into the mount. There's also a threaded receiver behind the bell that will allow you to mount a light or a camera, thereby cleaning up your handlebar. It's one of those classic forehead smacking products that will cause every alleged inventor to go, I should have thought of that. Um, I, I went on the website. It accepts seven different kinds of computers. They've got different inserts that, you mm-hmm. know, seven different computers they can manage. Um, one of them is even an iPhone case. Uh, you know, I believe the Topeak I- iPhone case. They've got an adapter for it as well. Um, the one I have is black, but they also come in red, white, green, and blue. Uh, retail is forty nine ninety five, I believe. Um, not quite here yet uh in terms of distribution it's already available um in europe it's a dutch product so Mm -hmm. it's available in europe in the uk uh a few more weeks you know certainly by november it should be here and available um but it's a it's a really cool take on on a gps mount and you know, if you don't want your handlebar cluttered up with a bell to try to be polite to people as you pass them on the trail or the bike path or whatever, this is a pretty bright idea. Um, have you tried it? You know, because I have one and I haven't tried it yet. I, I got one, too, and I it is a cool idea. I'm wondering if you actually put it into practice yet. Um, this afternoon. Oh, okay. uh, I, I haven't had a chance to ride it yet. No, but gotcha. it's going on a bike of mine and I will try it this afternoon. Cool. So, Yeah. Uh, and if it proves to be as, as good as it seems, um, it will get a review on our KP. Sweet. Yeah. All righty. Uh, what you got for this weekend? 
I am doing a ride I have wanted to do uh, for a few years but never got a chance to. I'm going down to Jeremiah Bishop's Alpine Grand Fondo. Ooh. In, yeah, in Harrisonburg, which is a beautiful, beautiful area. It's in the Shenandoah Mountains. That's where the Shenandoah 100 mountain bike race is held. Yep. Um, this has a little dirt on it, but it's it's very much a road event. Um, and it's supposed to be spectacular. It's 100 something miles with 10,000 feet of climbing, quite a bit of climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I'm really looking forward to it. The weather is supposed to be spectacular. It's supposed to be like 70 perfect. And it's just going to be a really, I'm just, I've not done any road riding down there. I've done the Shenandoah race and some gravel events down there, but I've never really ridden road down there. So just, I'm super looking forward to it. It's going to stay with uh, Sue George, you know, of uh, uh-huh. bike flights and uh, yeah, she's kind of a, a legend. So I'm going to stay and hang out with her, do some riding, do the event. It'll be a fun weekend. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, I've got my next few rides planned out. Friday's road. Uh, Saturday is a, a, a mountain bike uh, mm-hmm. ride. And then Sunday is a gravel ride. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's the bike equivalent of George Thorogood's one whiskey, one bourbon, one beer. Uh, I'm going to make sure to get the full set this weekend. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. On this week's show, I'm talking to Mike Ferentino about all things advocacy. Hmm. Finally, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.